Welcome to the House of Strauss. Yeah, go for it. Stars hang with stars, winners hang with winners. Welcome to the House of Strauss podcast. I am introducing a man that, look, I figured that he was the most controversial media member in the Bay Area. That is Grant Cohn of Granular 49ers coverage. And he just said to me before we were about to record that people are coming from my head. That makes me nervous, Grant. I looked at you as the as the lightning rod, sir. That's how I always looked at you. I mean, I look, I have the 20, almost 30 years of 49ers angst that I can play on. I mean, the mm-hmm. Niners have been searching, they've been, you know, wandering through the desert for a very long time. Warriors are a freaking machine. And you were the one asking the tough questions and getting Kevin Durant to lose his cool. And I mean, that took a lot more guts than me saying, hey, Kyle Shanahan, how'd you get your fourth quarterback hurt? I mean, that's kind of an easy question. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm honored to be on with the controversial House of Strauss, Ethan Sherwood Strauss. I've been reading you since you were just posting on Warriors World, like when you were in. Oh my Cal- god! Oh yeah. my god! That's yeah. That goes back a ways. I mean, look, there's no <laughs> other way to do this podcast than to talk about being hated to a degree. It's funny because recently on a podcast, I was saying that I never want to ask the guests about uh, these moments where you know they're in a controversy or people are angry at them because a lot of people they kind of detach a little bit or it's difficult for people to talk about themselves. But with, with you, I feel like there's no other way you've been this. I mean, okay. I need to set the table because there are some people listening right now who are in the Bay area or they're big football fans and they know who you are. There are people when I booked you and I mentioned it, who were, who were saying, yeah, okay. I want, I want to hear that. Anthony Mays, our producer was hyped when he found out about this booking. (laughs) But then you have other people who listen to this podcast where maybe they like basketball, maybe they don't even like sports, and they don't even, they don't know that you have become as as a millennial 49ers YouTuber, the most controversial, I would say, yes, controversial media person in sports in this region. And to me, it's fascinating, number one, that is fascinating. Number two, it's that it works. You know, you don't have to confirm or deny here you're making six figures off this YouTube channel. Uh, if it was just, I don't know, a bunch of trolling as I heard it criticized in the aftermath of your Javon Kinlaw imbroglio, which we will get into, uh, then it wouldn't have those legs. I'm fascinated by whatever works because almost nothing does in media. And I will cease with my my long preamble and stop talking and allow you to get it a, a word in edgewise. But that is that is why I wanted to have you on. That's why I wanted to have the conversation. It's a lot of those elements. Well, I think it's a couple of things. I think partly it's the 49ers in particular. Like, mm. let's compare them to the Warriors. The Warriors to me, are they like the, the Niners in the 80s? They're like they're right in the middle of it. But let's project 30 years in the future. Joe Lacob has lost a team because he was involved in a riverboat gambling scandal. And he gave the team to his son who is trying really hard, but he's just not Joe and they're coming up close, but they're not, they haven't won a championship in 30 years. I think the next generation of warrior fans would be have high standards, be upset. And there would be a market for that kind of like, Hey, this is good, but not good enough. I think a lot of warrior fans feel that way. 
So there's that, which I don't think exists with the Warriors or any other team around here. Yeah. But there's also the fact that I feel like, and I think you know this too, like corporate journalism has become so homogenized. Like I think readers and, and fans mm. kind of know what's coming from every single beat writer locally, nationally. I mean, they know no one's really going to speak their minds or they will to an extent or that most of the analysis is positive. I think people get it and are bored by it. And when they see you write a whole book about what's really going on, or I have a YouTube channel about what I think is really going on with the Niners. A lot of people gravitate to it because it's hard to get contact like that. And then also there's a level of interactivity on YouTube. It's not like I'm going on Twitter and being, you know, brash and saying things that no one wants to say. Like I'll explain myself. I'll invite fans on. And I feel like it feels new and fresh. Whereas probably corporate journalism feels stale as hell. Yeah. And the thing I've learned over the last couple of years is just how big and fervent that 49ers fan base is. I don't think you could have a Warriors YouTube channel doing as well as you're doing. I mean, maybe they've had historic success, but now that the Niners, even if they haven't been winning Super Bowls while I've been here, just knocking on the door, I've talked about it a bit. I talked about it. I had Tim Kawakami on and it's just, he said, yeah, it's they're kind of bigger. I mean, I, I remember during the playoffs, I went to the car dealership and all the salespeople were wearing their Niners jerseys because it was playoff season. It was the Niners. And when I see people on your channel calling in, these fans have such a level of knowledge and passion. And that's and they're from all over the world. Yeah. And they're part of your show because of that. I lose track when I was checking and trying to do my research. Sometimes when you're talking to these fans, I'm going, wait, is this somebody that Grant has as a guest or is this a fan? I can't tell the difference because they really... The lines are blurred. They, they seem to yeah. know. The lines are blurred. And it's like, Niner fans are so smart uh, and they want to argue. They they, they want to talk with the beat writers. And I feel like a lot of beat writers don't want to engage with Niner fans because the mm. worst thing that could ever happen is to lose that argument or to get shown up by a fan. So I think a lot of corporate journalists like to interact with each other and show the fans, you know, who they know in the industry or who they know on the team, but they don't really like interacting with their audience. And I feel like a lot of corporate journalists are essentially loyal to the team, which is a mistake. That's not who's paying your bills. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, this is getting into a topic that I wanted to address because uh, a, a friend of mine, he's a journalist journalist. He, he writes for the LA times. He's a huge Niners fan. He was hmm. kind of the guy prodding me saying, you got to get grand on, you got to get grand on. And this is exactly what he wanted to talk about. Uh, he said, you seem to have a disdain for the media writ large, the sports media. Is that a fair They're characterization? Is that a yeah. fair characterization? And has it always been true of it is? Yeah. And I, I don't blame the people involved. I just feel like, look, my dad's little cone. He says, hello, by the way, he, he, oh, he was in the industry in the eighties and the nine, he came through in the eighties um, where I just felt it was a different style. And that's my sensibility of journalism is that you're supposed to go toe to toe with the teams. But what happened was newspapers died in the late nineties. And I feel like the next generation of writers are all kind of survivalists. They figured out how to mm. keep their jobs They didn't get fired. They started blogs. They made uh, allies with the teams. And I can't stand that style of journalism. I would call it kind of like access journalism or survival journalism, or you could even call it not journalism at all. You could call it adjunct public relations. That's what me and my dad call it when we're feeling real cynical. So I don't know. I guess Mm -hmm. I feel like I have an old school sensibility and that the entire industry's changed and people just chalk it up to, it's just sports journalism. Who cares? I mean, why do we really need to ask the tough questions of these teams? Like, 
that's not why I got into the, the, the industry to just say that this team is doing everything right and they're great. And here's a bunch of advanced statistics that I don't understand that support that theory. Like, that's not why I got into it. So I guess I have a little bit of a chip in my shoulder. And I think the people that like what I do get that and are looking for sort of like a counter journalistic perspective. One guy that doesn't fall in line with what the teams want you to say. I don't know. You remember that a few years ago, you had lunch with Marcus Thompson and he invited me along. I think it was, I think it was really, it was really a lunch with you and Marcus where you're going to discuss what to do with your career. And I'm not sure why Marcus invited me to it. That's just something Marcus does on a whim, I suppose. But it seemed like you were really at a crossroads. Uh, I don't remember everything about what we talked about, but you were in a position where you were going, I don't know how to move forward in this industry. And because I didn't know much about what you were doing at that point, I didn't know much about the 49ers. I think I came away from it thinking, I don't know if this guy's really going to be in the industry. I don't really know if he's going to be doing this Mm -hmm. anymore. What happened between that lunch and today? That's a great question. I remember that day. um, And I remember you and Marcus listened to me and you said, you know what? I think the Mercury News is hiring a, a Warriors beat writer.